Finding your way to a balanced way of living is the key to health and happiness. Each week on Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes, you'll hear tips and tools for a happier and healthier life. Here's your host, Anita Westlake. Lately, I've heard the term leaky gut quite a lot. And here today, I have um, my returning guest, Dr. Art Caparol. And in previous episodes, we've had the pleasure to discuss weight loss and successes and some vital things to when you're starting a healthy diet, what to cut out, such as sugars. And today, we're going to get pick up right back where we were, and we're going to talk about leaky gut. What is it? And should I even care about leaky gut? Thank you for joining me today, Art. Thanks for having me, Anita. It's always a pleasure. Well, here's a topic, leaky gut. Should we care? Is this something really important or is it just another buzzword? Uh, I think it's extremely important. My belief system is that the gut... um, is kind of the portal of entry, obviously, for, for food and and being able to acquire nutrients. And so uh, anything that's wrong with that has a, com- a complete systemic effect. It's going to affect everything in the body. And as we go later on, you know, through the talk, we can explain how and why that is. But, yes, it's extremely important. Um a healthy digestive system is critical for, for somebody to maintain health. So this is really just an unhealthy digestive system? Yes, it's, you know, do you want me to get into what it is? or? Well, let's explain it, but remember, you know, let's keep it simple because, you know, I'm overwhelmed oh, by all this too. When I hear leaky gut, I just I envision this horrific vision in my head of all this stuff secreting right. from my stomach <laughs> and just sure. nonsense floating around out there. And it's just, it just sounds horrible. So go ahead. No, let's I, let's, I, let's I just demystify agree. this. <laughs> <laughs> so as we talked in, in previous episodes about the, the standard diet that the people are following, um, when a person eats a diet high in refined foods and um, inflammatory foods, what happens is it slowly starts to inflame the lining of the gut or, and you know, when I use gut, I use that for the entire digestive system. And so it's going to slowly inflame the lining of the gut. And what happens is when you get inflammation, there's swelling, obviously, and there's a, you know, an immune reaction that actually goes along with that. But, the longer the gut is inflamed and the more severe the gut is inflamed, the more permeable it's going to become. So what happens is in a, in a healthy digestive system, if you look at the gut, I, I, I explain it this way, and I, I was taught by one of my first-year college professors when I was taking biology, and the digestive system or, or the inside of the gut is actually outside the body. And so if you take somebody's mouth all through their gut, all the way until where it exits at the back end, and you stretch it tight, it's actually going to be like a mini donut. There's, it's it's going to be, you know, food goes in through the mouth, and then it never really touches the 
the, the cells that are inside the body. And so it goes all the way through and then is excreted out the back end. That isn't inside the body. It's, it's physically inside the body, but it's, it's encased in, in a digestive tract or a shell. And so none of those waste products actually touch the inside of the body. Oh, and so they're so protected by when this. You have, correct, because it, it has a specific function, but, you know, imagine all the microbes that are in the bowel, if they were just able to float around in, in, in the bloodstream in the body, you know, somebody gets a, a ruptured appendix, they're going to die very shortly if they don't get that taken care of and cleaned up. And so uh, realize that when you view the digestive system, it's actually a, a system within the body. And so having an inflammatory response is going to create permeability or what they coin the term leaky gut. And so those cells that are lining the digestive system aren't, aren't held together as tightly as normal because of the inflammation. And so those foods, those waste particles, those undigested foods that go through the digestive system um, can leak into the lining just outside the digestive tract or just inside the body. And hence, you know, the term leaky gut. But the problem is, is those things that leak into the, into the body through the gut are actually toxic to the body because they're either whole molecules that haven't been digested yet, um, they're toxins, there's many things that can go through there. And so the body views those things as foreign invaders. And so it creates an immune response to kind of mount on what's coming in and assaulting the body. And so that in itself is going to create more of an inflammatory process because the more the more infection or the more the body recognizes that, it creates an inflammatory response. So, so that so can just, lead us into many of the other topics. Right. So Go just ahead, to sorry, clarify that, that's that's okay. But just to kind of break that down a little bit. So we, uh, we're eating foods, right, if, if I get this correct, that inf- yes. could be inflaming, I'm going to call it the gut again, because I understand so, Correct. right, digestive system, but it's going to inflame mm-hmm. it. And if it, this happens over a period of time, it's going to weaken the cells, stretch them, weaken them, and particles are going to come out that shouldn't because they should stay within this casing. And then the body mm-hmm. reacts and says, wow, this stuff should not be here. I'm going to attack it with my, with, uh, you know, my fighters. The immune system kicks in. And in this, in doing this, it creates um, inflammatory issues within the body. Correct. Okay. And we don't want that because? Well, uh, one of the things you had mentioned in your introduction was arthritis. Right. And, and so uh, realize that arthritis is, is an inflammatory process that actually attacks the, the bone, right, and the, the bone joints specifically. And so any inflammatory process is going to increase pain. And so the whole idea of uh, having a gut that functions properly, many times just cleaning up the diet and making, getting rid of that inflammation will reduce many of the pain symptoms that, 
that occur in the body. And so anytime you have that, it's going to facilitate pain, regardless of where it is. Coupled with the fact that you're also taxing the immune system that's constantly on overload trying to correct this problem that's in, it's it's getting bombarded all the time because every time the person eats they're 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 continuing this problem and so it go ahead i'm sorry no no it's it's interesting to say that with the okay so i get I'm getting how this inflammation starts in the arthritic issues and joint pain, which they link to leaky gut. But how does this affect weight gain? Because that's huge right now. It's just, you know, if you're, have, if you're not losing um, weight or you really want to be on a proper diet and lose some weight, you've really got to see if you've got leaky gut. I understand now what you're saying with inflammation arthritis. Well, that's one issue mm-hmm. in joint pain and pain when it comes to what they're leaking, what they're leaking, what they're linking to leaky gut. But what about right. things like weight gain? How is okay. that linked so, to leaky gut? Isn't that mean you got, oh, I, okay. Sorry, I was going too far <laughs> no, with no. my thought. Go ahead. No, 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 please. That, that, that's absolutely right. So one of the things that, that people have to remember is, that the leaky gut came about from eating foods of commerce. I'm, I'm just going to say foods of simplicity, where they're 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 eating foods that are basically not good for the body, and so that is also the precursor for the issue with weight. And so, getting rid of both of them is going to take the same thing, unfortunately. You have to clean up the diet, obviously, but then you have to also heal the gut because if the gut's not healed, then that immune response is still going to be going on. And so I've had many patients, and unfortunately, females, I find, are subjected to this much more than males. And I, I used to have husbands and wives come into my office and they would both start at the same time and the husband would lose much more weight than the woman. And I would say, well, you know, they would be very frustrated. And I would say, well, you understand that women are way more complicated than men. And so it takes much more. (laughs) Yes. No, no, not in a bad way. Definitely. And so it, it takes much more for the woman to make headway than it does the man as far as weight loss. One of the big contributors is that they, they have less muscle mass. And so, therefore, they're not going to be burning as many calories as the man's going to be burning overall. So, if you have this leaky gut syndrome coupled with excess weight that you built up over time, coupled with low muscle mass, um, it takes a while for that body to kind of start to create enough health to where it can work on the actual weight. You know, I I use the example of if you have a large rock and it starts rolling downhill and you want to stop it, it takes a while for you to stop that rock. It's going to continue to move for a little while until you eventually stop it, and then you can start to move it in another direction. It's the same way with health. You can't expect to lose weight when your entire body is in kind of an overload system or a a stress response system. And so uh, that's why it takes balancing out several things in order to make that accomplished. Because 
the way I view excess weight is it's just a symptom, just like everything else. And so they, a lot of them have the same beginning or, or, you know, the, the same root cause. And it, it always, always, unless there's gen, uh, excuse me, unless there's a genetic factor involved, you know, like type one diabetes, but there's always a root cause that can be addressed. Now, I say always, a vast majority of the time. And so unless that issue with poor diet and lifestyle and stress reduction and exercise and proper water intake, if all those things aren't addressed, then that body is not going to be able to heal to, to the best of its ability. And so that's one of the problems is that people want to isolate their, their health problem. Say, say it's, it's leaky gut. And they just want to work on the gut. That's fine, but working on the gut is going to entail a handful of other things that they're going to have to incorporate in order to make that work. Does that make sense to you, Anita? Well, of course. I think it's when, um, in the idea of when one organ is distressed, it causes distress in other organs or other parts of the body. And it's a domino effect. So I do understand that. Um, But I'm still wondering about this uh, stuff floating around our bodies when we have a gut leak or a leaky gut and in weight loss. So I've seen people, um, you know, let's say they had to lose a hundred pounds. I met somebody just recently that told me they had to lose 110 pounds and they've lost 95. Now, Mm -hmm. from what you're telling me and what they've told me with arthritic issues and some other issues that they still have, although they are feeling better, they may have leaky gut. So you can still Absolutely. lose some weight with a leaky gut, but is it really come down to you're not having total success? You know, when we see these pictures of someone who's not really overweight, but they're not, let's say they don't have a lot of muscle, they're still kind of somewhat chunky, and then they'll say, geez, go on our diet, and they look all trim and fit like they're ready to go into right. the services <laughs> universe. You know, they're they're not grossly overweight, but they're kind of just a little chunky. It, could this be a leaky gut thing? Is this where you could get down, but maybe not have full potential of where you could be because you have leaky gut? And again, I'm talking about weight, but I'm amazed that the leaky gut is so linked to weight loss. I don't know why I can't get that through my head, but I'm still not really no, understanding. Ab- absolutely. So, you know, one one good point. So you maybe are having problems losing just a little bit of weight and you are, you know, you've got a system that, you know, a digestive system or a gut that, that you cleaned up your diet a lot, but you're not having any particular symptoms as far as what you're noticing, but you've still got a digestive system that's maybe functioning at 50%, but it's still subclinical because you're not having any symptoms of gas or bloating or indigestion or diarrhea or any of those things. And so uh, by doing some basic digestive support to allow that digestive system to function properly, you're going to get more complete digestion of your food, and you're going to get more of the nutrients out of the nutrient-dense food that you're eating. And you're not going to have, sorry, you're going to have a vast reduction of the cells that are moving through undigested into your, into past your, your digestive system into the body, which is going to reduce microinflammation. And so 
that microinflammation, if, if it doesn't become reduced over time, that is also a stressor to the body. And so I view anything that is it is a stressor. It can be emotional. It can be physical. It can be toxic. It can be nutritional. Anything that's a stressor on the body is going to play havoc with the adrenal system and the adrenal glands. And it's really hard to move in the direction of health when your body is constantly be assault, being assaulted by different types of stressors. And so uh, if somebody wants to lose, say, that last 5 or 10 pounds, um, first you have to look at are they increasing their muscle mass while they're doing that because I find many times people want to lose weight for the sake of weight. And I try not to have patients get obsessed with the scale. I try to have them look at inches instead. Um, that's just me because so many people are fixated on the number. When in fact, I've had patients that have consistently reduced their body fat content and actually not lost a whole lot of weight because they're increasing muscle mass in its place. And they do say so muscle weighs a, more than, than fat, right? Abso- absolutely. And so you can lose fat and gain muscle and not see any shift in your weight, but you're actually becoming healthier because you're increasing the amount of muscle that, that your body has, which okay. is very important. Okay, so this is about just um, the body not being healthy, especially with the leaky gut and all this uh, these things floating around in our, our bodies that really shouldn't be. Um, now, is this why it, they link this to bloating of, um, of the abdominal area? Is this why it's inflamed now? So if you have leaky gut, well, your you know digestive sure, so, system's inflamed. This could cause bloating. Yeah. So so let's go through just the basic understanding of uh, digestion, if that's okay. Yes. Yes. Please. Okay. So somebody eats a food. I'm just going to say, you know, food. I'm not going to pick a particular food. And um, digestion actually occurs in your mouth when you start to chew food. And I'm going to use real simple terms. I'm not going to use any scientific terms. Thank um, you. And the, the, the saliva starts to mix with some of these foods um, and actually starts the breakdown of some carbohydrates in the point of the mouth. And so that's why it starts with how you chew your food. Many people, especially in America, many people, what a friend of mine calls, gulp their food down. They maybe they, they take a bite, they chew it twice, and they swallow it. And it's really important to chew your food. Several reasons. First of all, it's, it starts the digestive process. It breaks down that food stuff so it is easier to digest. But also, the mind starts the process of knowing that that food's coming down when it's actually chewed. Okay, oh, that's there's, interesting. There's a whole, yeah, and so uh, it's it's important that there there's a whole physiological response that you know it's way too deep to actually get into now. But chewing your food actually starts that process of digestion. And then it's swallowed, and it goes into the gut or the the stomach. And in a healthy stomach, what happens is it starts to release an acid to activate enzymes to be able to start to digest the food. 
Now, in a healthy digestive system or a healthy stomach, the pH of that acid is about one and a half. It's very, very, very acidic. And so uh, it needs the, the more acidic it is, the better that digestive system is going to function as far as breaking down those foods, killing any microbes or pathogens or anything that's in the food that was eaten, and activating those, those enzymes to be able to actually start the process of digestion. Now, what happens is, say we have an inflammatory gut, and there's inflammation, you're stressed, and so those two things, there's many other things, but those two things in itself allow the body not to produce either adequate amount of hydrochloric acid to, di- to start the process of digestion or poor quality of it. And so... Uh, and this is in the breaking down have, of the food, right? This is like the enzymes that are breaking down of, the food. Correct. So, so this is the beginning of the process. And so say you, your pH only gets down to 5, which is still acidic, but it's not, it's not very acidic. And so you don't get that complete breakdown of the foodstuffs in your gut or in your stomach. Now, when the food is released then into the small intestine, there, there are, I'm, I'm going to use the word sensors. It's a little more complicated than this, but there's sensors that, that know when that food is being released and the pH of the food moving into the small intestine causes the release of sodium bicarbonate or, or an alkaline substance, which neutralizes the acid going into the intestine. So if it's not at a low enough pH, what happens is that food moves into the small intestine unchecked. So, yeah, it, only is, it is only a pH of 5, but you're going to uh, have that move into the, the upper gut or the small intestine at an abnormal pH. Now, what happens there? There's two things. Let's go back to the stomach for a second. Can we go back for, for you, one minute, just for one minute, so I can just clear something up here? So what you're saying is, sure. because we're getting into pH and stuff that like I'm not really quite understanding, but this is how I'm breaking it down. So... I'm going to make it really easy. We eat, (laughs) we chew, and we should chew it properly because when it enters our stomach, we would like these enzymes to come along and start to do their thing, break down this food. If they're not acidy enough, which means the pH will be higher in our system because we need that acid to bring Mm -hmm. the pH down, then when it hits the lower intestines, it's not broken down in the way it should be. I'm leaving pH. I'm leaving pHs and everything out of this. I'm just saying it really straight up. So this is what can happen. So the more acid we have means the less pH we have. And the acids, we're going to call this enzymes that we create in the body to break down food. And then we want this to go to our lower intestines. Now, if the pH is too high, it means that we didn't have enough enzymes, the acid, to break this food down properly. So then what would yeah, happen? So you were talking about gas and bloating. And right. so if, 
if you've got an, uh, I'm going to use, you know, we talked about pH. I'm going to use that as an analogy to soil because if you're planting something, you have to have soil that has the right nutrients and has all the things it needs to be able to grow plants. And so if you're, your gut terrain or the the contents of your gut aren't functioning properly, then what happens is you can get, uh, maybe you get in your stomach, there's foods that are undigested and they start to create gas and they start to create some, let me back up a little bit. So what happens when you take food and put it in a warm, moist environment? Just food out of the. Say you take food out of the refrigerator. What's going to happen to it? It's going to turn. It's going to go. It could go bad. It's going to turn. It can smell. It's going to have all kinds of nasty things on it. Yes. Absolutely. So, the inside of your stomach is a warm, moist environment, and so when you get incomplete digestion, you get food basically rotting in your gut. That's okay. That's an overstatement, but that's what basically happens. And so without complete digestion, that's the process that you're going to have. Then you move into the small intestine and you've got that incomplete digested food that's going to, again, cause some inflammation because of the terrain is not quite right. It's supposed to be at a neutral pH and it's in, or a neutral state and it's too acidic. And so that starts to inflame or irritate the lining of the gut. So you see how as we move down the digestive system, each section of the digestive system has a different function and a different uh, normal or, uh, you know, terrain state, meaning that there's, there's, you know, I, I have to use, the word pH, unfortunately, because it's either going to be acidic or neutral or basic or alkaline. And so each one of those is going to have a different pH, which is going to equate to a different function, which means different organisms are going to be there. And so when you start at the very top of the digestive system by eating poor foods, not digesting them properly enough, having too much stress so your digestive system shuts off, um, it's going to affect all the way down from the stomach all the way down to the, you know, the very end. How do we know that we have gut leak? I did read a little something, and I found it very interesting, and I'm wondering if it's true. So one of the things that it said to identify whether you have leaky gut syndrome is take some beet juice. So boil up some beets, take the juice, and of course it has, you know, that rich red, ruby red color, and drink it. And when you go to the washroom, if you see this color in, you know, in the toilet after you've gone to the washroom, you have leaky gut. Is it as simple as that? Can you identify leaky gut in this way? Um, you know, that's something that I, I haven't addressed, and I, thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to have to look at that. I, in my practice, just when people come for specific health concerns, I always look at gut, and it's something that is always addressed within my patients because I see it as one of the components to many, many, if not most, uh, health concerns that are going on, at least with the patients that I get. 
And so it's always addressed. And so I never really have to test for it because I'm assuming that there's some portion of it there due to either a lifelong issue of poor diet or chronic antibiotic use because of some other health problems. I mean, there can be many, many reasons. And so I, I want to make it easy for my patients. And so for them, I would assume that most of the people that came into my practice had it. And the reason they're coming to my practice is they've got one or multiple health concerns that they want to address. So how, what do we do? You, if if you're, they're coming into the practice and you're assuming that they have leaky gut, what are some steps that we can take to start to heal it? Can it be healed? Can this be reversed? Uh, yes, I've seen many, many, many patients um, that many of their gut problems disappear. I mean, Crohn's and colitis patients. No, it, you know, again, I'm not saying that I cure any of these, any of these diseases because that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying by... Creating a healthy diet and lifestyle, creating a good, solid digestive platform that many of these symptoms disappear. And so, again, you know, as, as you and I have discussed many times in the past, that they have to address the, the diet and lifestyle issue. It really comes and down to that. that. That's, that's the, that's what I call what makes a level playing field. So if those things aren't addressed, then you end up chasing your tail to find out what the causes are going to be because, because maybe that person is doing really well on everything except they're eating one particular food each day that they're highly sensitive to and they're perpetuating the problem. And so the first step is to is to, to clean up your diet. And if you're not able to do that, find somebody to help you with that process. The second step is to make sure that you're actually getting proper digestive function. And so one of the things is as we get older, we produce less and less and less hydrochloric acid to be able to support the whole digestive process. So at age, I believe it is age 65, you're producing 15% of the hydrochloric acid that you were when you were 25. 15% so, less? That's huge. 15% left, yes. And, well, that's, uh, that's a lifetime of poor diet, a lifetime of high-stress jobs, a high-stress lifestyle. There can be many, many reasons why, right? And because, well, yeah. So uh, once we get those two things squared away, I've had, even had patients just by drinking maybe a little apple cider vinegar in, in warm water, with their meal provides enough acid to be able to support that process. You know, now again, there's many, uh, there's many acid supplements that you can get. Um, make sure that you're talking to a healthcare practitioner to make sure that you're taking them right and know if you need them because if you don't need them or if you've got too much inflammation, it can actually cause pain and irritation, and that's not what you want. So are these the but, enzymes so I, you can buy? I've seen them, that you can buy these enzymes well, to support your digestive? Right. Those So enzymes and hydrochloric acid are two different things. There's enzymes that need to be present to digest the food, but the hydrochloric acid has to bring the 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 pH of the digestive system in the stomach low enough for the enzymes to be activated. Wow, okay. that was a whole lot of but, complicated. So, like, yeah, I, for sorry. me, that no, no, and that's that's the way it is. But to keep it simple, 
what are some simple steps we can do to start repairing okay. um, gut leak? Because, you know, now sure. I'm petrified. And I'm going to ask you after the uh, – in fact, I'm not going to ask you after the fact. I'm going to ask you now. I, I can't get out of my mind all this stuff floating around in your body. Potentially, I could have gut leak. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of bothering me. And I'm thinking, what well, impact would this have on a diabetic and their sugars? If it affects weight gain, yeah. if it can cause arthritic issues and joint issues and all kinds of things, even um, uh, um, I'm going to say fibromyalgia, and they link that with diabetes, what could it be doing to our sugar levels? Sure. So, you know, you know, first of all, I want to put your mind at ease. It's not a whole lot of stuff floating around. It's, it's small amounts of stuff that are, that are floating in your system that leak through the gut, but it, it, it's not a whole lot. Now, for somebody like you that takes good care of themselves, it's going to be far less than somebody that maybe has Crohn's or colitis or irritable bowel or you know, so uh, don't don't worry too much about that. I feel but like I have to do some housekeeping blood- of my body. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, you know, as far as the blood sugar, I mean, what I've found is that, and you know, you can back me up on this. Any stressor can affect blood sugar. Am I correct on that? Absolutely. Yeah, and so uh, aside from being a health deterrent. Um, the body uses it as a stressor. And so every time you eat food and it, it you get some of that leaky gut, you're creating a stress response. And on top of that, most people are eating in a hurry. I mean, how many people do you see eating in the freeway or, you know, on in their car on the road, um, eating very quickly to move on to their next task? Um, and so... So, so that's the that's the the beginning of the situation. Is that it's it? I believe it it causes a stress response in the body. That we know. Now, on top of that, if you've got a system that's not digesting the food properly, and you're not getting as many of the nutrients out of out of the good foods that you're eating, then you're going to get organ systems that are not going to get adequate nutrition. And therefore, they're going to start to function at a less optimum rate. And so it, it starts that progressive downhill situation. And so uh, it's, it, it's not going to directly affect the blood sugars. I mean, by the, those things that are going into your, your uh, you know, leaking through your gut. However, if you're continuing to eat, to eat the foods that are perpetuating blood sugar issues, then that's going to be, you know, a double situation because you're going to eat those foods and they're going to go directly and check into the bloodstream. So in other words, these these foods that spike your blood sugars could also be creating leaky gut. mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's where it's uh, one thing creates another. So it starts with these sugar spikes, which, you know, we've talked about with insulin and um, never mind anyone, even without diabetes, they're not great things. And on top of it, it could be creating leaky gut. So it goes hand in hand in the way that spikes also create hungers. So you could be eating over and over and over again things that are creating spikes and creating leaky gut. 
So yeah, how do I mean, it's, how do it's, we get off this roller coaster? Like we've talked about sugar, but what about this mm-hmm. leaky gut? Again, are there some foods that support this, and what foods should we be taking out so we don't have this leaky gut? Yeah, you know, so you know, again, sugars that we talked about, um, grains for the most part um, can be an issue. And again, it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm against grains just because most people eat them with every meal every day. And that can lead to a problem. Um, and most people eat grains with foods that they're not supposed to, like sugar. And so uh, making sure that you pull, I just work on those two things, plus uh, I have people pull milk out of their diet. Um, many times by just pulling those three three groups of the things that people ingest out of their diet for a period of say two to four weeks, they can start to see if there's a shift in how their body responds, you know, when they're eating. So say after two weeks of pulling those foods out, you're not getting any more indigestion or any more bloating or gas. Um, you're less constipated, uh, you know, whatever it may be. And then, so now you know that, one or all of those foods are affecting you in that way. And so then what I have my patients do is I have them add one type of food back in at a time and see how they respond. So if they've had uh, years and years of gut issues and we pull those three things out of their diet and then say they want to add milk products back in first and we add them back in after they've been doing well and there's no change, they continue to do well, then... Of course, they can they can go back to eating milk products and having milk products because it's not the culprit in in what we're trying to look for. Now, they add in wheat products, say a week or two later, and they they start to get some of those symptoms back. Then, after they've gotten some of those symptoms back, we pull them back off that particular type of food and see how they do Um, because many times it's not just that one food but a combination of foods so then we have to determine is it is it just wheat or is it a combination of wheat and milk products and so I mean I have patients that can do milk but as soon as they mix it with wheat or sugar it becomes a problem and is, so, is it that getting, complicated? Like, is it really that complicated to repair? Gut? No, like, I mean, you know, again, I'm dealing with people that are coming to me with um, with some type of health problem. I'm just talking about if, if if somebody wants to work on having a healthier gut, and if they're having some minor digestive issues, you can use that as a gauge to how you're progressing. But the best way to do it, you know, and, you know, again, I hate to say this, but the best way to do it is just refrain from eating those foods, sugar foods and, and you know, wheat or grain-based foods. And they're, um, they're the triggers, they, or they can be the triggers, the high in added sugar. What about fruits, though, and sugars in that way? Is it just refined sugars? If, if, it's, if it's fruit, you know, in the whole food, um, you know, vegetables even have some sugar. Uh, but if it's if it's in the whole food, it's going to be okay, um, unless they are diabetic and they have to watch those things. But I would replace the the sugars and the wheats and you know grain products with 
green vegetables with lots of vegetables with a good, you know, you know, again, just like we talked about last time, a good solid protein, some, you know, some, some good healthy fats, uh, just to start to allow, because just to start to allow that body to heal, because I found that the body always wants to heal. It just has to have the things that are affecting it taken away and the, the things that it needs to build upon itself provided so it can do so because you have to have those basic building blocks of nutrition for those things to work properly. So you really want to uh, keep your vegetable counts up, cut out your refined sugars and your wheats to get going, possibly dairy. Right. But I, now here comes another question. I see a commercial um, with a girl belly dancing. Love that because I belly dance. And she uh, oh, she's jiggling around and she's eating yogurt and that's going to help her digestive system. Right. So if you're cutting out dairy, right. here they're saying that really yogurt can support a healthy digestive. Is yogurt good for this? If you're able to well, eat again, it. Well, again, okay. Right, right. So again, most of the yogurt, at least that we see here in, in America, um, is filled with sugar because people won't eat the cultured yogurt that doesn't have sugar in it because they don't think it tastes good. And so, uh, yeah, maybe you're getting some probiotic action from that. Um, but when in fact you can, you can do a much better job just eating, say, good good sauerkraut or taking a good probiotic and supporting a healthy gut by eating, you know, good solid foods. Um, yogurt, I think, is way overrated. Again, I'm dairy sensitive, so I have to stay away from that. Um, so yogurt, but, yogurt isn't the, the be-all and the end-all necessarily no, when it comes to a leaky people, gut. they do okay with it. Correct, correct. Now, it's going to be marketed that way. Um, but I've found in my practice that it, it doesn't tend to work that way, no. So it's not a turnkey. Eat the yogurt, it goes away. No. So really, the no, human, you know, and we're looking at vegetables, getting the refined sugars out, the wheats out, and start to heal our guts. Chewing our food you know, properly. It, There's another good absolutely. one. Absolutely. You know, and actually eating in a relaxed environment is going to be important, too. But, you know... You know, you talked about turnkey, and we mentioned multiple times in the past that you always start with a blanket approach, and then you you specialize and you get more specific for each individual because everybody's different. And so what works for me may not work for you. And the idea is to find out and to be attentive and in tune to what's working for you and what's not working for you and and making good, solid decisions based on truth that that you see. Now, I see many people, they say, oh, I don't have a problem with that, when it's clear that they do, but they, they just like that food so much that they don't want to give it up. And so you have to be have an honest assessment of what you're trying to accomplish and where you're trying to move, and, you know, in order to make that work for you. Well, leaky gut is definitely a concern, something that we should all be thinking about and keeping right. it healthy. But it seems that the blanket approach that we're talking about at this point is really just upping our vegetables. If, you know, we're looking at sugars, we always have to be careful of fruit, anything, any kind of sugar, actually. But if you're going to have it, keep it natural. Keep your sugars natural when it comes to leaky gut. 
up your vegetables mm-hmm. and cut out your grains. Is there any concern with um, proteins and any meats that you could be eating or fishes that could, you know, aid um, in this gut leak syndrome? Yeah, there there definitely can be. Um, not that the protein is typically a bad thing, but if, if they don't have enough, uh, you know, again, enough acid or low enough pH in their, dig- in, in their stomach to actually digest that food, uh, you're really going to have to chew it well. And most people, they eat a piece of meat, they chew it a couple times, and again, you know, they swallow it. And so chewing it to break down those meat fibers is going to be really important. And I've heard, I heard a story of an old gentleman that used to be involved in this work years ago, and it would take him two and a half hours to eat lunch because he would chew everything a hundred times every time he put something in his mouth. And now... Uh, I can't do that. I, I try to chew my food, you know, a long time, but a hundred times is a long time. I don't know if I could have the patience and, to count a hundred times. Exactly. With each bite. Exactly. And, you know, but just chew it to where it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't resemble the, the food that you put in, you know, meaning it's broken down enough to where it can, it can actually start the process of, you know, digestion that's easier. That that would, be, you know, be a really, really good way to go. You know, but as far as proteins, as long as it's a good, healthy protein and you're chewing it properly, it shouldn't be a problem. So um, in the case you know, of a vitamin... Again, Sorry, a Vitamixer, a Vitamixer or a Bullet or one of these blenders, and they talk about juicing yeah. and, and whipping things up and, and breaking them down in these blenders and creating meals. Is this part of the whole digestive um, issue, that, that why they're saying they're so healthy, is they're actually doing a lot of the chewing for you. They're breaking these sure, things down, you, and then you're you're taking you, them in. You know, absolutely, but, you know, most people also are, are using fruits and vegetables in those, and so it's, it, it's a way for people to get those into their diet. Um, however, you do have to be careful. I mean, as, as much as I like smoothies, they, they cause a blood sugar spike with me, and I have to watch them because I'll get a blood sugar issue if I, if I drink too much of one. Um, and so you have to look at that as well. I mean, you know, you can add maybe some good flaxseed oil, um, some good coconut oil, something to that to help stabilize that, that sugar. So if you add a little bit of good fat in it, it will help prevent maybe one of those, those blood sugar spikes. But it's just enabling people to increase the amount of fruits and vegetables that they're eating. Um, you don't know how many people I run across that never eat fruits and vegetables. They just do not like the taste of them or they just won't eat them. And it just amazes me that, you know, first of all, that they have any level of health. And, you know, second of all, um, the, what I see is the pain and suffering as they get older is going to be far greater because they're going to have more and more health problems associated with that. Well, I'm from from someone who doesn't eat a lot of sugar. I I have I just purchased one. I'm very exciting. I'm very excited. Uh, Vitamixer, and I'm just excited because it just blends things up. And I, as if I've overbought vegetables, and sometimes I do that, and I don't get to use them all up. And I want to make soup. I like the idea that I can make soup instantly by just putting these things Absolutely. in, adding a little bit of broth of my choice, whatever I decide in that way, making it as thick with added vegetables or not as thick with, you know, without those added thickening vegetables like sweet potato or even avocado, never mind. 
and whipping it up and it's ready to go. But the idea that it's yeah. whipping it up, that I don't have to choose something, you know, not that I would chew it a hundred times, but is I'm wondering if that's all the buzz also with these um, blenders that they're actually doing a lot of work to help our digestive get these foods down without worrying about chewing them a hundred times. And I get that, you know, smoothies are a craze and people want to add them and they are high in um, fruit a lot of the times. And I stay away from them because of that. I actually stay right. right away from them. But the green smoothies, we're using spinach and some other things with very little fruit. Sure. Great. Now, would that help in, in aiding healing a leaky gut? Oh, yeah. But, you know, first of all, you're you're getting nutrient-dense foods that you're making right there, which is a huge deal. And second of all, um, you're you're getting all the fiber from those foods. Many of the juicers that they have, you know, where people juice those vegetables, it pulls all the fiber out. Where you know, on, on a Vitamix, you're actually getting all that fiber, so it's facilitating the whole digestive process. It's a really good thing. So they make some good good uh, soups too. Well, they do. They're wonderful. And not that we're doing commercial for Vitamix, but it's just, <laughs> no, it, no, I no, am no. such a fan. I am such a fan because as you right. said, I'm not juicing and I'm, I'm getting the bulk, which we want. We want the fiber. And that was something else with grains people worry about. I think cutting them out of their diet is they're not getting maybe fiber. You can get your fiber through your vegetables. Absolutely. Now, what about flax seeds, seeds and things like that for our digestive and leaky gut? Do we have to be concerned with any seeds or anything like that? Should we be grinding them? Can we eat them? Uh, what about, because flax seeds are very, very small. Sesame seeds are very, very sure. small, you know. Pumpkin seeds aren't very big. Now, I, the larger nuts and their nuts, Brazilian nuts, walnuts, almonds, things like that. But do we have to have any concerns when it comes to eating nuts? And yeah, for, for some people, yeah, for for some people, especially if, if they have, you know, diverticulosis or diverticulitis, um, and and they're going to get some of those pockets in in the intestine. That's going to be, you know, they're always told to stay away from nuts. Um, as long as you don't have that, you should be okay. Uh, if you if you grind them. Um, make sure you use them right away because on seeds, as soon as you grind them and they're exposed to oxygen, they start to oxidize and then the, the oil eventually becomes unhealthy. And so if you're going to use those, you know, which I recommend, use them right away. You know, you know, grind them and use them right away. Don't, don't grind them and then store them. You know, as long as the, the seed is in its whole form, it'll be okay. But as soon as you crack it open, then it starts to oxidize. Even in the case of um, flax meal? Because I've, yeah. I've heard lots about flax meal. I have no idea, honestly, what the difference between flaxseed and flax meal is. But just mm -hmm. because you said about grinding it, and I have my handy-dandy um, Vitamixer now, I'm wondering, should I have bought flax meal? I do use it for certain recipes, but is this in a case of something like that? Is it losing its um, its properties because it's, I would say, ground up? Yeah, and 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 if there's any oil, see, I'm again, I don't have any, I don't have any actual experience with that, so I'm sorry. I I, I can only answer this from a thought process that I have. But anything that is oil based that has access to air meaning oxygen, for any period of time is going to become bad. Um, 
And so I like to, you know, flax oil, the way it's processed or made, they make it and then it's put in a, in an airtight container with no oxygen in it typically. And so as soon as you open it, it has a shelf life because, you know, just like olive oil does, as soon as you open it, it's going to have a shelf life. So I always tell my patients if they're looking for oils, especially healthy oils, um, make sure that you buy smaller bottles and it may cost a little more money, but then you're going to use it in an adequate amount of time. So the oil's not going to go rancid. It's really important that you don't take rancid oil or old oil because it can cause a whole other host of health problems. The things I didn't know. So really to keep it simple, um, to heal a leaky gut and to have your digestive in a far better um, working state, not to have all these, and I'm sorry, I still in my mind have things floating around in your system that you don't want. (laughs) Um, You want to keep that diet healthy and it can repair itself. Just take out the added sugars, look at um, more leafy vegetables, chewing your food properly. That's, I guess, number one on the list. And taking out some grains and possibly dairy. But what would you say the two most important things to take out just to start this ball rolling? Because we mentioned oh, three. Say, we, said uh, sugar, we said sugar, grains, and um, dairy. But, but what out of the two? Because yeah, that's would, a lot at once. That is a lot at once. Yeah, I would say uh, if they only had to choose two, I would say sugar and flour products. You know, I, I would even leave in rice just because it's it's not there's not a lot of sensitivity to rice. And if somebody wants a, a, a starch, that would be a better way to go. Um, so I would say, fl- you know, flour products. What wheat, about pasta? You know, pasta, you know, again, uh they could do maybe rice pasta, but you got to watch that if you've got a blood sugar issue, you got to watch that. And so it's best initially just to really um, pull those two things completely out of their diets. No pastas, no breads, no cakes, candies, cookies, those type of things. Um, no soda. Um, and just allow that, give that gut a chance to heal because the, the turnover rate with the the tissue and the digestive system is very high. And so if you just pull those things out early enough or soon enough that are irritating it, I've seen the gut heal. I've seen really bad guts heal. Um, And so uh, it, it can happen, but you just have to be diligent with, you know, with that process. And what is usually a, a start, a starting point when you, if you're pulling these things out, you start, or you should start to feel something, feel better, maybe less bloating, maybe less joint pain. Uh, when do you start to feel less better? fatigue. Right. Have more uh, energy. Had, yeah. Yeah. I had, um, you know, I'll, I'll just give you, you know, a short story. There was a, I had a patient years ago who had chronic body pain. I mean, for years and years, chronic, extremely, extremely painful. Um, and we di- I, I did a workup on her. We pulled her off of those foods that we discussed, those, those, those three food choices, and uh, we added some, some digestive support and some, some specific nutrients to support her body, and within two days, all of her, all of her pain was gone. That's incredible. Just by cleaning up her diet. Yeah. Now, that's an extreme situation, but the, the average person may notice uh, less digestive distress. They can have easier bowel movements. 
maybe they have more energy throughout the day. They don't have those low crashes in the mid-afternoon or a late afternoon. Maybe they're sleeping better. Maybe their pain goes down. I mean, it can be Skin. any symptom. And so you always have to look at those things first. And the leaky gut can also affect our skin. Oh, absolutely. I've read that. I was I was not really surprised, but I was surprised. So when they say eat in a healthy way and it clears up your skin, it could be leaky gut. And, of course, if you're not eating in a healthy way, you can get leaky gut. So all these things sure. just uh, snowball, it seems. But the key is eating properly and healing this leaky gut because it can lead to a lot of issues. I couldn't believe the list of things that can um, leaky gut can cause. And as you said, our arthritis is on the top of the list. Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. And it what what is hardest for me to get across to especially young people is young people think, oh, I'm young and there's nothing wrong with me now. I'm going to live forever and everything's okay. Um, when as people start to get older in the middle age and you know, then in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and, and then, oh, oh, my gosh, you know, all these things are starting to creep up on me. My grandfather used to say years ago, you know, when he was alive, if I would have known I was going to live so long, I would have take taken better care of myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, it's true. People, when they're younger, and, and I'm, I consider myself, you know, pretty young. I'm, I just turned 51. Um, just, yeah, it's very I, yeah, but I want to continue to be as active as I am now when I'm in my 70s and 80s. And the only way I can do that is to make sure that I keep my body healthy. And by doing so, I have to eat foods that are going to be nutrient-dense and not going to actually tear the body down. And so teaching young people is the hardest thing. I mean, I'm trying to teach my son. He's 12, and I'm trying to teach my son about choices. And it can be a challenge at times. And it can be a challenge. And I, I think uh, in our previous episodes, we talked about curbing the sugars and starting just there. It seems to be that it's the same with the leaky gut, really starting to look at your sugars and the wheat, yeah. as you said, the two most important things, and see how you feel. Yeah. There's lots of, um, of uh, good stuff when you can repair your leaky gut. And I'm hearing it everywhere when it comes to weight loss. I'm hearing it everywhere that leaky gut can be a cause of so many issues. And now that we know a little bit more about it, we can understand why it's so important to keep our digestive system healthy. And, you know, yogurt may not always be the answer. It's, really, it's, not, it's not like taking a pill, eating added yogurt in your diet may not reverse all these other choices that you're making to create a leaky gut. Right. And, you know, you know, again, you'll know as you go through this, this process of checking foods, whether it's going to be beneficial for you or not. It sounds so simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds simple. The problem is, is putting it into action with, with people's lives and, and what we are used to eating and habits that we have, it, it can be a chore. And so having somebody like you to, to bring these things up on a regular basis, um, you know, is really important because you have to have somebody in your corner because there's going to be days when you're not able to do it or can't do it and, you know, you need something else to fall back on. And so it's really important. Well, thank you. And thank you for, thank you. And thank you for joining me today. We really cleared up 
a lot of mystery around leaky gut. And my biggest question is, should I care? Obviously, we should all care whether we have leaky gut syndrome or not. Absolutely, because it's just the beginning of uh, bigger, bigger problems down the road if you don't get that cleaned up. Well, thank you, Art. And would you be kind enough to share your email address and contact information? Sure, I'd be happy to. My uh, my email or my, my website address is www.conceptsforhealth. That's C-O-N-C-E-P-T-S-F-O-R-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And my email address is D-R-A-R-T, Dr. Art at conceptsforhealth.com. And my phone number, if you want to call me directly, is 559-475-8611. Some health practitioners are linking many conditions to a leaky gut due to the fact that the autoimmune system turns on and tries to deal with some of these bacteria that leak from our gut. Some of them are food allergies, migraines, chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, asthma, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, MS, and some skin conditions such as eczema. In some cases, you're at a higher risk of developing leaky bowel syndrome, and in this case, type 1 diabetes, uh, chronic kidney disease, and cystic fibrosis. Remember, when making any changes to your diet, always let your doctor know. Consult your physician and let them know any changes that you may be making. If you have any um, questions about today's topic, please email me at anita at anitacoach.ca and follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.